what we're about to read this morning in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, is the announcement (laughs) that the king of the world had been born. And I'll say this to you, that there was not at that moment a worldwide fanfare. The announcement was localized. Yes, it was a heavenly announcement because it involved a heavenly messenger. And choirs of angels singing. But it was announced in a different way than what I just read to you about. And yet it was even more special, infinitely profound, and eternally impactful. Luke chapter 2, in verse 8, your Bible says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel, which we do not know which angel, just the angel of the Lord. Some contend that it was, in fact, the angel Gabriel, even though this angel is not specified, not mentioned by name here in the Gospels. It is believed that Gabriel is the messenger angel, the announcement angel. It could have been Gabriel, but the Lord chose not to reveal The identity of the angel, he's only known as the angel of the Lord. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not. By the way, can I just stop right there and say that the Lord's message to you and I today is one of fear not. Man, there's so much in our culture and our world that can cause the child of God to fear and to become intimidated and yet the Lord says and listen some of you in here this morning you needed to hear those two words fear not there's a circumstance in your life and a situation that literally is beyond your control all you can do is pray about it and trust Jesus with it and he says to you fear not you trust it with him and you let him work and let him have his way fear not for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste. That means they got on their giddy-ups, and they got up, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen it, 
they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. This morning as we began our service, our orchestra masterfully played one of the most familiar tunes of Christmas. Do you remember what they played? Go, tell it on the mountain. It's an African-American spiritual compiled in 1865 by a man named John Wesley Work Jr. It's been sung, recorded by many gospel musicians, even by secular performers. This song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, it's considered a Christmas carol because its original lyrics celebrate the nativity of Jesus. John Wesley Work Jr. was the first African-American collector of folk songs and spirituals in America. And he also, was also a choir director, an educator, and a songwriter. It's based on this passage here in Luke chapter 2, following the example of the shepherds. And so first of all, I want to give you what I call the principled truth. The principled truth. Notice the sequence of events here. Obviously, the angel appears to these men. There was the announcement. Again, there was the angel of the Lord, and then after he gave this announcement, there was a choir of angels, a host of angels that were saying, Glory to God in the highest. So there was this announcement to the shepherds. Now, some believe that these shepherds were were not just typical shepherds, even though they were part of the low class in Israel. Some believe that these particular shepherds were raising sheep that would be specifically used to offer temple sacrifices. Now, we don't know that for sure. That's speculation, of course. But it is a possibility. The Judean countryside around Bethlehem, they say, provided at the time at least, and even today, a perfect environment to raise sheep. There was pasture land, grazing land. They were able to find that there in the lowlands and on the hillsides there south of Jerusalem around Bethlehem. It is believed that these shepherds were even outside of Bethlehem, somewhere uh, in close proximity, but far enough where they had to expend some energy to make this journey to go see Jesus. So the shepherds, as soon as the angels were gone out of their sight, they got up. They were excited because they were Jewish shepherds, obviously. They knew that there had been this promise of a long-awaited Messiah who would come and give his life. Buddy boy, they were not going to miss this opportunity to see the Messiah. So they got up, I'm sure leaving their sheep in the care of somebody else. But they made their journey. Don't know how long it took them. They were close by. Because it says in the same country, in the same region. Close by to where Jesus was. But they did go and they were able to locate Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And they spent a little bit of time, don't know how long. They spent some time there at the manger in that place. Possibly the cave as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. They spent some time adoring, seeing, 
even talking with Mary and Joseph about baby Jesus. And they were excited. They were so excited that the Bible tells us what they did. They got so excited about seeing Jesus, the Messiah, they believed, the message of the angel. And they went, they went, and when they left there, they told people. They shared the greatest news ever. I don't know if they started immediately. Don't know if it was in the wee hours of the morning or if they waited till the next morning after the sun had come up and, you know, people had started going about their day. Maybe they did. Maybe it was something like, hey, you are not going to believe what we saw last night. You're not going to believe what we heard, what we experienced. You're not going to believe the journey that we took. You're not going to believe what the angel told us. You're not going to believe who we saw. they told people about Jesus. And then people were impressed by what they were told by the shepherds. Because the Bible says in verse 18, notice it, all they that heard, they wondered at these things. In other words, they were filled with marvel and anticipation and awe. They were trying to figure it all out. But the message of the shepherds made an impact upon those whom they told. So here's the first principle truth. That the story of Jesus is the good news that the world must hear. Now, most of you sitting right here this morning, you are unmoved, unimpressed by what I just told you. And yet that in itself, ladies and gentlemen, just might be the greatest truth that the Bible can contain. That the story of Jesus is the good news that the world must hear. If that was true 2,000 years ago, is it still true this morning? I say it's even more true. Such a simple message. And yet it's still the need of the world. It's interesting what the angel said in verse 10. If you'll notice it with me, please keep your Bible open. The angel said, fear not. I, behold, behold, listen, listen, listen. Wake up, sleepy-headed shepherds. (laughs) Wake up, sleepy-headed Christian pal. Wake up, CP. Caught up in all the trappings and all the busyness around Christmas. Caught up in programs and plays and promotions and stuff for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people you see ladies and gentlemen the angel was announcing the gospel he said I bring you good tidings do you know what the word gospel means it means good Good news in contrast to that that's bad. Good news in contrast to bad news. And man, that's all we know. That's all we hear. The story of the human existence is a story of bad negative news. It starts out that way. The fall of man, the curse of sin. And buddy boy, it goes downhill ever since, doesn't it? Sad to say, even in our prayer time, in our announcements this morning, we have had to announce Sadly, 
certain things that are a direct effect of the fall of man. Bad, negative, sorrowful, hurtful, draining, loss, tears, pain. Nobody in this room is exempt and nobody in this room is a stranger to those things. We know firsthand the sense of failure and the sense of loss and the sense of shame and the, and the bitter sting of death. And yet this angel says, I have some good news for you. And it's the greatest news in the world that the Messiah has arrived. And he has come to take your sins away. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, you know what everybody in this church needs to hear? That the Messiah has come. His name's Jesus. And that's the greatest news in the world. And he's come to take your sins away. You know what Goldsboro needs? I mean every neighborhood. I'm not just talking about inside the city limits of Goldsboro. I'm talking about every neighborhood. I'm talking about every street. I'm talking about every life. I'm talking about every door. They need to hear what we all need to hear. That Jesus Christ, the Messiah, has come to take away the sins of the world. You know what Wayne County in North Carolina and North America needs to hear? You know what the world needs to hear? You know what every living, breathing soul upon the face of God's earth needs to hear? That Jesus Christ, the Messiah, has come to take away the sins of the world. That's the message of the angels. But they told to the shepherds. And that's what every people, all people, need to hear. So the story of Jesus is that good news. And it's interesting that he said, which shall be to all, all, all people, all people, all people. Not just Jews, but Gentiles. Not just a certain race, but every nation. Not just a certain geographic location, but all over the face of God's earth. Every living, breathing soul, every person, in spite of skin tone, in spite of uh, socioeconomic differences. Every single person, this is for them. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, hear me. I believe in a worldwide gospel. I I believe a gospel in a gospel for every person. And it is. And it's for you. There's somebody sitting in this room this morning that thinks, well, that's not for me. Oh, my dear precious friend, the gospel is for you. Jesus came to die for you. Jesus came to be your Savior. Jesus came and gave his life and shed his blood and rose again for you. For you, on your behalf, in your place, for you. If you'll open the door of your heart like you'd open the front door of your house. If you would repent, which means to change your mind and believe the gospel. Believe this message. You can be saved. Do you believe? Then the second principle truth is this. A first-hand experience with the Savior naturally produces an excitement to tell others about Him. I'll say that again. Listen carefully. A first-hand experience with the Savior naturally produces an excitement to tell others about Him. How many Christians we have in the room? If you're born again, raise your hand and say amen. amen. Let me tell you what happened to me when I met Jesus. 11 years old, I got saved on Sunday night. Jesus transformed my life. 
We're on our way home, headed back to our house in Raleigh, North Carolina, where we lived, 3322 Brentwood Road. And between our church and our house, we were talking about our salvation. My sister was in the car. She got saved the very night I did. My mom was saved. And here's what we talked about. Mom, when we get home, can we call Granny and tell Granny that we got saved? That's not abnormal for a child of God when they're born again to want to share that and tell somebody that they met Jesus. In fact, I'll go a step further and say, it's abnormal for a child of God not to want to tell anybody that they've met Jesus. The Bible says that when the shepherds experienced the Lord, they just started telling it. They had a case of the can't help it. They couldn't help it. Do you tell people about Jesus? Do you tell people that you know the Lord? Do you let it be known that he's your savior? Do you follow the example of the shepherds and make Jesus known? See, it's easy to sing, go tell it on the mountain. But there ain't a lot of telling going on. You can forget over the hills. Most of us don't want to go across the street. I'm not shaming you. Oh, my dear friend, please know that. I'm not trying to guilt trip you. I'm simply stating the truth and the obvious. I like to do a lot of talking about what I ought to be talking about. Does that make sense? I can talk to you all day long about how you need to tell people about Jesus. <laughs> we can talk about it all day long, except here's the deal, Pickle. We're talking to the wrong people about it. We need to be telling folk that never have heard or that haven't heard a clear presentation. We need to be telling Goldsboro. We need to be telling our neighbors. We must be telling our co-workers. We must be telling our lost loved ones. But we get caught up in telling one another. Telling one another. We know it. You've heard it. You can tell it better than I can. And yet we're not telling people outside the bubble. We're living and functioning and working and existing in this bubble. It's our Christian bubble. We need to bust the bubble. And tell people. And share the greatest news in all the world. Can I get an amen right there? So that's the principal truth. Let me give you the practical truth. How can we share this greatest of stories with those closest to us? Especially at this time of year during the Christmas season. You see, because like you, my wife and I, we have people in our family that don't know the Lord. Most of you do too. We have neighbors that don't know the Lord. 
I've got people that God's put on my heart that don't know the Lord. So do you. So how do you share that without coming across like a jerk? How do you, how do, you do that without making them think you're being Mr. Scrooge at Christmas time? Well, can I just give you some thoughts real quick? Real quick. You're like, make it quick, baby. Well, let me give it to you real quick. Can you listen quick? Number one, communicate graciously. Don't be a Pharisee. Don't be holier than thou. Don't come across that you're better than them. And they're all wicked sinners and you're righteous. No, communicate graciously. Don't e- hey, hey, don't ever forget that everybody in this world is desperately in need of the grace of God. Can I get an amen right there? Communicate graciously. Don't be like, well, if you heathens really knew Jesus. No, <laughs> what, what? You didn't pray before you ate? You're wicked. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> Lord, judge them. <laughs> no. Remember when the disciples, when they got booted out of a city, and they said, Lord, call down fire on them. <laughs> Y'all remember that? And he's like, Now, he didn't say this in the exact words, but I kind of feel like Jesus was saying, hey, chill. (laughs) And sometimes I think the Lord wants to say, hey, remember who you are and where you came from and remember what I did in your life. Can I get an amen? Communicate graciously. Next, earn the right to be heard. Hey, if you're hypocritical, if you're hypocritical, listen to me, if you're hypocritical in your life, you might want to hush. Next, pray. Pray. You can do more with prayer than anything else. Pray. Pray that God will move. Pray that God will use the testimony. Pray that God will open their hearts. Next, be courageous. Be courageous. Don't be intimidated. Don't you be afraid. Don't feel like you're Mr. Party Pooper or spoiling the moment of Christmas when your family gets together. Be courageous. Seriously. I'm afraid too many of us, including myself, that we are intimidated to share the gospel with people that we're closest to. Just speak up. Don't be bashful. Don't be afraid. Don't be like, well, I don't want them. Hey, give all that to Jesus, and you just speak the truth in love, but speak the truth. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Be courageous. Be discerning of time and atmosphere. Okay? You may not want to... Bust up in there right when they're opening presents and say, all right, you know, stop everybody. The greatest gift yet to be opened is Jesus. You know what I mean? You know, just be, be a little discerning about that, you know. <laughs> all right. Keep it simple. There's five words that explain the story. Five words you need. God, man, Jesus, the cross, and the resurrection. If you can remember those five and keep it simple and explain those, you can explain the gospel. God, man, Jesus, the cross, resurrection. 
next. Be normal. Like, <laughs> don't assume a preachy tone. You know, you're just talking normal, and then all of a sudden, when you start the gospel, no, no, let me show this to you. No, just, just be normal. You don't have to hack or be a windsucker. Now, let me tell you, brother. You don't have to, no, 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 just be normal. Talk. Be you. You know why? Because God wants to use you to share the gospel. Stay involved in their lives. Hey, don't be this dude. Now, Cousin Charlie, I know I've not ever spoken to you in the last five years, but <laughs> why not? You know, stay involved. Well, I know he's my brother. I know she's my sister. I know that, you know, we've got the same mom and dad, but we've not spoken in 18 years. Speak! Call him up. <laughs> well, something, we, we had a falling out. Well, fall back in. Some of y'all need to hear that. Some of y'all need to learn in the spirit of grace to get along with your own family members. That's good preaching right there. God ain't honored with all that mess. Holding grudges. Things being difficult at funerals. Family reunions. Come on now. We're believers. Jesus wants better from us. Next, do some pre-evangelistic work. I mean, use emails. Text them. Have a phone conversation beforehand to sow some gospel truth. Man, if they get there and they find out and they're shocked by the fact that you're talking about Jesus, something might be wrong. You? <laughs> do some work ahead of time. Let them know that, man, hey, when we get together, I, I, I'd love to take just a few minutes. Man, I just want to tell you something. Change my life. Next, somehow communicate your burden to them without freaking them out. <laughs> Sit down and look at me. Look at me right here. Look at me. I've got to tell you something. <laughs> They'd be like, I believe I need to go get a piece of pie. Okay. <laughs> No. <laughs> Always leave the door open. Like, preacher, they didn't even listen to me. They just got up and said, hey, I ain't interested. Keep that to yourself. What do I do? I'll tell you what you do. You keep on loving them. You leave the door open. You write them a letter then. You let God work. Next, love them anyway. Yeah, but I mean, they told me I was, I love them anyway. Yeah, they told me they didn't care. They didn't want to hear. Love them anyway. Yeah, but you don't know what a big goofball my brother is. I, I love them anyway. Don't argue. Don't argue with them. Hey, God doesn't want you having a theological argument with them. Just share Jesus and just speak the truth. But don't argue. That doesn't help anybody. Trust God to work in their hearts. 